Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Nikki, what do you got? Uh, maybe, I don't know, is this a feel-good story about dogs? Yeah. All right, let's hear it. Yeah, so... In- some good news. Yeah. Incarcerated men get second chance at life by training dogs for adoption. Atlanta nonprofit Canine Cellmates expands its dog training program for incarcerated men in, uh, to include a sentencing alternative, training dogs for adoption. So instead of fin- finishing their jail sentence, they'll be able to work with canine cellmates and train some dogs to help them get adopted, and then they can avoid being in jail, which sounds like a win-win to me. Sounds to me like it's more obviously forced labor and slavery. Yeah. Well, if it gets you out of prison sooner rather than later, I mean, I'm, I don't care. Because normally when you're in jail, a lot of times you are you're sentenced working, to yeah. hard labor. Uh, that's that's actually part of the sentence, mm-hmm. and so if you can knock some time off for doing that work, then that's. Better. I, I'm just saying, like it, it's more obvious than sitting in a jail cell and then working in the kitchen. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just just no, as I bad do, as jail. Yeah, I do get your point, though. It is kind of just like they they play it off as Let's volunteer work. work, but yeah. it's it is kind of yeah. So the dogs are already in the jail. I'm not real clear. How does this? No, work? I think I think they're just collaborating mm-hmm. with the this nonprofit organization and they pick out inmates that might be like not you, abusive. The nonprofit created the Beyond the Bars program, a sentencing alternative that keeps men out of jail. Instead of being incarcerated or proceeding further through the legal system, per- participants commit to training shelter dogs for a year at the new Canine Cellmates facility, leased with a grant from the nonprofit Best Friends Animal Society. Yeah, I mean, who would say no to this unless you really don't like animals and don't belong around them? But this sounds like a really great opportunity, and I'm glad to hear that there are programs that exist to do something to intervene between you know going to a prison cell and otherwise being a productive person. I mean, it's still obviously they're still under coercion; they don't have many choices. But yeah, it's like I was selling weed and liking my life living in my own apartment, but. These people gave me the chance to either stay in a jail cell or go train these dogs. I guess I'm going to do that. Like, that's how I feel about it. I feel like it's still pretty awful, but better than sitting in a jail cell. Yeah, Yeah, I'd choose it if I was them. It's a no brainer. I mean, to to choose this route for sure. Uh, So, I mean, good on them. And it's nice that it's not government funded. It's oh, really? from, yeah, yeah, it's from a, um, they just, what was the grant? Said uh, the nonprofit Best Friends Animal Society. Hmm. So it sounds like donation based. Amazing. Best friends, they do. Uh, they'll help you get your dog fixed too for free if you oh. don't make too much money. I wanted to bring some clarification to what you were talking about a minute ago. Um, yes, I don't think that you were intentionally um, misrepresenting it because I think that you are pretty honest about the fact that this is just an article you read. But um, the places that are doing the dog stuff in Georgia. Is like DeKalb County, Fulton County, Gwinnett County, Forsyth County, like the metro Atlanta area. Um, and you are 100% an inmate there. Um, and it is only for people that have no felonies because in Georgia, um, and I assume everywhere else, if you have a felony, you have to go to like legit prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Georgia, it's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but it's commonplace to be sent to five, six years in county jail time. Wow. And really? So 
Um, if you have five or six misdemeanors, sure, why not? Oh, um, wow. If you have ten misdemeanors, right, and you do six months apiece, that's five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can give you good time if you work. And so what they're doing with this dog stuff is they're giving you good time. So you're getting three for one, maybe four for one. Um, but it's 100% you are an inmate there. It does tend to be a bigger thing in the private jails. Those guys tend to have, you know, multiple years um, of misdemeanor charges. Those guys tend to, no disrespect to anybody, but like, and I, I agree with this from a political stance more so than an inmate stance, but they tend to be more willing to listen. Um, like I would get in trouble for the guard would say something. I go, well, why? Why do why why is that the way we do things, right? Why can we not have a group decision on how we do this? Which obviously isn't the thing that you do in jail. But I uh, I'm cool with getting tased on occasion. You're cool with getting um, tased? Is that what you said? I got I was tased because I was like I don't agree with your rule, and he was like, well, you can go in. I was like, I'm not going in because legally I get 60 minutes out a day, and I haven't had my 60 minutes out. And he goes, well, you're a distraction. You need to go in. I'm like, I'm not going in. And next thing I know, go in where? Say what? Go in where? You said you're not going in where? Yes. I'm not going back in my room. They've uh, cut off the people of Russia because, I don't know, people think that punishing the average individual, many of whom are against the war in Ukraine, is going to somehow somehow get back to Putin and his cronies? Yeah, I don't really understand what the disconnect is there because obviously Putin doesn't care if Russian people are watching, like if they can eat at McDonald's or watch Pornhub or not. Like that does not affect politicians at all. I think the idea is that somehow it's going to cause people to rise up and overthrow him. But it's going to destroy the economy. I think that a a huge thing is social media and the internet where people... Oh, I'm sorry. Where people um, now have the ability to talk to people without actually using their real face and body to go up to another person and talk to them. They just like they're so disrespectful and they don't care about other human beings anymore. You're saying the fact that we are online is making people less aware that they're dealing with other people. Yeah, it's like we're going to destroy Putin. They don't know who Putin is. They don't realize they're either don't realize they're actually hurting the average person or really don't care because they're like just doing something or thinking they're doing something to punish, you know, Putin. It's like so there's so many disconnects there in general. As uh, this opinion piece over at RT puts it, Western cancel culture has gone nuclear in targeting an entire country. Hmm. This is Rachel Marsden. She's uh, apparently a columnist and produces a program on Sputnik, which is one of the RT companies. Go ahead. And cancel cu- culture is a perfect way to describe it. It's just like people thinking, oh, I'm going to cancel you. It's going to make me look good, and I don't really care about the consequences of what happens to you because you are currently bad guy. Right. Well, in this case, they're saying every person in Russia is the bad guy. Yeah, every person in Russia, not just Putin. And, and a lot of people like to throw around the word Putin right now, like, oh, because of Putin. But they're not thinking about the fact that they're actually hurting the random Russian people who probably never voted for Putin. or. And they don't care because they see this as a way to pump up their their you know the way people see them and bring them more business all right we'll cut off all the russian people if people will buy more of our stuff basically 
Uh, so she says, by now we're all used to righteous people pitching fits and ganging up mean girl style on those who they feel have committed transgressions against the status quo. But amid the conflict in Ukraine, some are actually trying to deplatform the world's largest country by attacking anyone and anything even remotely associated with it. Back in 2003, in the run-up to the Iraq War, when I was working in Washington, D.C., as the director of a think tank associated with the George W. Bush administration, I recall the moment when French fries were suddenly renamed Freedom Fries. It's not like RT has completely whitewashed all of Russia's actions. Here's another headline from RT, and this one was from several days ago, last week, uh, I think it's like 10 days ago. Russia criminalizes, quote, disinformation about the army. So they're reporting on some of the bad things that Russia is doing over at RT. Obviously, though, it is Russian government funded, so you do have to keep that in mind. But as we pointed out in our discussion about RT America and their shutdown, Holland Cook, who is a longtime friend of the show here on Free Talk Live, hosted a show on RT. And he said when he, you know, again, they they had to fire everybody because they can't get paid anymore due to the fact that the Russian banks are being uh, shut off. And so they had to shut down operations, and he said they had never told him what to say. They never told him there were he. They never told him there were anything that he could not talk about. He could talk about anything he wanted and have any position or opinion that he wanted on his show. Wow, what was the show about? Um, it's it was called The Big Picture, and it's mm-hmm. it was about whatever he wanted it to be about. I mean, Holland's a kind of a leftist, so his political perspective came from that side of things. In fact, he seems to be a, a supportive of Ukraine in, in general, I think. Russian author Fedor Dostoevsky was canceled by the University of Milano Bicocca in Italy, which suspended a course about him before reinstating it after a backlash. But the joke was on them because Do- because Dostoevsky was already canceled, you could say, having passed away in the year 1881. So the odds oh are God. fairly low that he had any involvement in the current Ukraine conflict. Oh, my God. I like how she's using the word canceled like it's just a scientific word or something. It's also improbable that cats or dogs from Russia are responsible for the situation in Ukraine. Although, hey, you never know, right? One can never be too sure. (laughs) So the fact that the International Feline Federation has banned Russian Moggies from competitions and this year's Krufts Dog Show, the world's biggest annual such event, is reportedly prohibiting the participation of Russian pooches is totally sane and logical. Wait, does that mean like if the owners and the dog live in Russia, they're not allowed to? Or is it saying some type of Russian breed? Because Russian Moggy sounds like some kind of breed of cat that's Russian. I think Moggy might be slang for cats, but uh, let's get into the... There's actually a whole other story about this. We'll we'll Mm -hmm. detour into it from also from RT. Uh, The International Feline Federation, F-I-F-E, has weighed in on the Ukraine crisis, banning Russian-owned cats... So not just one type of cat, but any cat owned by a Russian person wow. from competing in its shows as a sanction for Moscow's military attack on the former Soviet Republic. Bonnie, can you kind of, I don't know, do a recap here on you know why you wanted to invite Larry on and or how you found Decriminalized Nature? Maybe? Well, I used to see articles about Decriminalized Nature and what they were doing. I don't even really know how I saw the first article, but... I would bring it as show prep onto the show because I thought what they were doing was really cool. They have different chapters all around the nation that were getting um, decriminalization measures passed in different towns. And 
I just wondered one Decriminalization day. Decriminalization measures for psychedelics. Sorry, for mm-hmm. psychi- uh for entheogenic plants and funguses. Just nature, literally decriminalizing nature. I think that's how I came across them. Is we've been following the kind of the, the political progress of various different drug decriminalizations across the United States. And when we started seeing the headlines out of Denver and Oakland and... For me, it was uh, Michigan, Michi- a bunch of towns in Michigan. Yeah, and various different places uh, that, that started to do local decriminalization of not cannabis, because that's been going on for you know the last two decades in a lot of places, but actual psilocybin-containing mushrooms or psychedelic mushrooms uh, caught my attention, and that's when I saw the the terminology of decriminalized nature, and I thought, well, that's a really cool concept. I'm glad there's somebody out there that's pushing the you know pushing the conversation further. We really wanted to expand this beyond the conversation that was happening in Denver, in Oregon. We understood that in Denver, there's probably not a huge population of other plant medicine people out there. But here in the Bay Area, we have ayahuasca communities, we have DMT communities, we have Iboga communities, we have cacti communities, like all these communities are here. And so we're like, let's have a conversation about nature, not just about psilocybin mushrooms. Let's talk about our disconnection from nature. Let's talk about, um, you know, the, the sovereignty to be able to grow your own plants. Uh, and this is another thing that we sort of expanded upon. Some some of the other drug policy organizations out there talk a lot about use and possession, but they never decriminalize cultivation or sharing mm-hmm. in ceremony or sharing with friends and things like that. So we're like, let's let's really make this about personal sovereignty, about the ability to grow your own, about the ability to share it in ceremony, and to really be able to engage with these practices on our own. So <clears throat> we said, okay, well, let's do this. And so we put together a resolution based upon some of the, the cannabis um, stuff that had happened in the past we, um, in terms of decriminalization and, uh, you know, the basic part in terms of how you do this on the city level versus the state level is the city level, you really can't oftentimes do things that are in conflict with state law. But what you can do, what the city does have the power to do is control the, the purse strings and to create prioritization for law enforcement. So uh, really, it's kind of a de facto decriminalization, which is a deprioritization. How many years ago was this that the Oakland thing was it like just 2018 or something like that? When was that? Yeah, we, we met we met in December 2018. Uh, we passed in June 2019, so one month after um, the Denver ballot initiative passed. Uh, wow. Our approach was a little bit different because we were asking for the city council to vote on it versus the constituents, mm-hmm. um, which again, like you said, that was pretty amazing. We have probably one of the most diverse city councils uh, in the U.S. here in Oakland, and it was a unanimous decision. Everyone was behind the idea. Uh, now, I think there's 13 or 14 cities that have passed decriminalization of entheogenic plants and fungi across the U.S., um, and um, like I said, most all, I think, I don't know the numbers exactly, but I think... 99% of them were unanimous decisions as well. Yeah, so that's what's been most interesting about this is the the yeah. unanimity of the city councils. Normally, this would yeah. be, a, you know, in any issue in front of a city council, it's going to be political and there's going to be some sort of a divide. But to go with this unanimous verdict, when you started to approach or in the, the other folks there that you work with, when you started approaching these counselors one on one, uh, was there pushback initially from a, tr- a chunk of them and they were persuaded? How did that go? Yeah, I mean, there's um, there was some pushback from some folks, and that's just, you know, and, and that happens in every city. You know, there's some neutral folks or some people who are like, oh, I don't know about this. And, you know, that's where good education comes into play. You just share with them. You know, we really kind of have this three-tier system, share them the science to kind of crack their head open from the stigma. 
let's just decriminalize, let people, you know, re-evolve culture, so to speak, around these uh, plants and mushrooms. And then the 110, that was 109 in Oregon, then 110, which decriminalized all substances, didn't decriminalize um, growing, so that's still a felony. Didn't decriminalize sharing in communities, so that's still a felony. Or mm. harvesting when there's mushrooms that grow everywhere in Oregon, that's still a felony. So, and and the way that they decriminalize, they put a limit on mushrooms. So they say 13 grams of mixture of substance with a detectable amount of psilocybin. So if you had a 13 gram chocolate bar with a microdose in it, that would still be considered uh. misdemeanor there. So so it, it feeds into the other model, which is more about this has to go through the state-run, state-operated, state-trained, state Right, total control, uh, uh, which exactly. is exactly. This is one of the things that I, uh, when I learned this about decriminalized nature, I was pretty excited because you guys are in favor of just freedom when it comes to these plants. Yeah. You're not looking for a state-regulated system with taxes and regulations and controls and permission yep. slips and applications and fees and bureaucracy. No more nannies. Yeah, <laughs> that to me was a huge relief to see a you know an organization that is trying to make these changes and not you know asking for a completely new bureaucracy to be cre- created. Like here in in New Hampshire, there was a a big mistake of a cannabis uh, legalization bill that that passed the House recently, and I, it looks like it's going to die in the Senate. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a good thing. Yeah, I hope so. If it dies, because it would require the state to be the Monopoly seller of cannabis. If you want to donate, we do actually have, uh, take crypto now too, which I forgot to mention. Cool. Which is on uh, BitPay. Uh, nice. So if you can, you can either find that link on our Instagram uh, or on our website. Uh, you go to our website is going to be, I believe, decriminalizednature.org/slash/contribute or events uh, contribute. Let me let me check on that real quick. But what I was saying right before we left off there was that. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, decriminalizednature.org slash events slash contribute, and that'll be our page, and it talks about, you know, what donations are going to and nice. what we've been up to. And yep, there's a bit pay option. Kind of thing. Yep, yep, great. Yeah, so um, so that's one thing. But what I was saying uh, earlier is that, you know, one of the things that I think that it was really powerful for me in this whole process is, you know, because before we had started this, you know, I'm, I'm, I studied, the, you know, this from more of an academic perspective and I had the nonprofit, which was dealing with education and integration. Um, so this is my first run of policy. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any policy experience before this. And so what I think is also beautiful about this is seeing people all across the U S remembering, re-remembering, I guess, or relearning how to re-engage with elected officials, with government, reminding each other that, Hey, the government works for us. Hey, we're their constituents. They're supposed to be doing what we ask them to do, you know? And so what is that process? How does that work? How do we engage with city council? How do we write a resolution? How do we write press releases? All these different types of things, which I think sounds like you're a little bit more advanced there, this crew in New Hampshire, but you know, for some people it's totally new. And the two of uh, you have started up a New Hampshire, I guess, division or yeah, chapter, chapter I think they're referred to yeah of criminal uh, decriminalized nature but y'all did that after there was already a bill that was submitted and i didn't even know about that yeah and uh, i don't was, know if you did bonnie but yeah i wouldn't testify at the hearing but beforehand like before we even oh, before started before i started decriminalized nature no or no i i didn't know that at all i can't remember how i first heard about it was it you found it ian oh no i found it because i started uh looking into the you can just read what all the bills are. Mm-hmm. And we were looking up the word like decriminalized psilocybin to see if there was one in there. We we're like, wow, there actually is. Yep. And it is still in the process. It was put in front of a committee where you and I, we went and, and testified on that, on that Bonnie. And that, I believe that video is up on the free keen odyssey. If you want to, if you want to watch it, 
it's pretty interesting. And there was actually a state legislator that got in front of that committee and gave an, a lengthy discussion and had some really good points as well. Um, and I thought we were very persuasive. I thought it, it felt to me like the committee was listening and interested, but yet they voted 18 to 2 for the to, status quo to kill the thing, uh, which is what they call inexpedient to legislate here. Now, to be fair, some bills can get voted inexpedient to legislate in committee and be reversed on the floor of the state house. Back to the world of imagination. Yes. So, so the way I see this whole thing is we exist in a world of imagination, illusion, and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now, pay attention to this keyword, imagination, mm-hmm. which is the world which is manipulated by these evil people imagining themselves as kings, presidents, governors, etc. Mm-hmm. A world of concepts, notions, and methods created in the minds of men, well, mostly men, and implemented as a common way of thinking over time, the example, of course, being time that we reference in years, days, months, that kind of stuff. But it's only really significant if we're at a particular place on Earth. So we have to imagine that we're participating in this common, um, what I call, illusion, delusion, fantasy. Mm -hmm. Now, to the fantasy of rulers, I was saying that first, one person or gang has to imagine that they are more important, superior to other humans. I consider that a serious mental disorder. You know, you're talking about the plant thing. I am. Um, I have asked this question for decades. How it's, you know, explain to me the magic of how certain humans can make God's creation illegal. The bad news is that most of the people within those arbitrary and imaginary borders have adopted those same imaginations mm-hmm. that that titles, costumes, badges magically confer a higher level of wisdom and moral superior superiority. So. The greatest fantasy I'm saying we need to work hard to dispel really um, is not just what I've told you before, that government does not exist, but that certain humans can give themselves titles and then magically hold greater claim to lives, existence, and purposes of other humans. Um, The dirt, for example, Ukraine has, has this dirt. Somebody outlined an area of dirt and grew some buildings inside them, uh, but then some human, some person or gang came in and said, you know, we're greater than the rest of you, so we're going to uh, say that this this is our territory and we get to make the rules. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is that's the, that's the key and the crux to uh, changing the world as we know it is to get people to understand that these things that have separated us, um, uh, invisible lines in the sand, are just that. They're illusions. They're, they're imaginations of our minds. And once we overcome that, uh, we can get to a place where we can experience the freedom and liberty that God had intended. In Rockland County, New York, a 17-year-old uh, person on April 24, 2021, uh, admitted he was uh, drinking before he got behind the wheel and smoking marijuana. Uh, they say he was driving about 70 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone on Route 202 in Montebello, New York. He crashed and killed 16-year-old uh, Jacqueline Zangrilli. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Oof. He gets uh, six months in jail 
and five years of probation for driving drunk and killing somebody. Was he a cop? No. No. Uh, he See, uh, they don't want to get drunk drivers off the road. They just hate everybody under 21. See, they, hmm. they, they would rather meet out the punishment to innocent people under 21 who drink alcohol responsibly. Hmm. And so, uh, see, that's uh, why you got so much drunk driving going on. Uh, that and some other reasons, you know, the uh, forced, the, you know, they call it the love affair with the automobile. But for a lot of people, it's a shotgun wedding with the way the government works, uh, preventing people from being able to walk. I was watching a TV show and wasn't it true like about about 15 years ago or all the billionaire capitalist, um, the oil guy and they got put in jail and got thrown out of Russia. No. The billionaire guy got put in jail and thrown out of Russia. I don't know what you're referring to. Are we talking about a Russian billionaire? Did you just say capitalist was in Russia? Why wouldn't they kill him? <laughs> well, him in jail the, right they're... now, well, they're exiled. One in one, the construction guy is lives in England, and the other one was an oil guy. He lives. Are you saying that the, the construction guy and the oil guy are ex, are Russian exiles? Right, that's correct right now. But I think they were in jail. And I remember hearing about them. So I don't know, they were having a discussion, and then they, they were not following the Russian rules at that time. Mm-hmm. They were sentenced to jail. And but they escaped. The only thing... Okay. And he was in a newspaper, I think maybe 15, 20 years ago. So, but it was a, it was an oil company guy. What are it you trying to say? Oil. I'm not real clear on what you're what you're getting. Oh, at. you know, my whole point is that at that time Russia was communist because communism does not like billionaire capitalists, and they would jail and throw them out and exile. They're lucky that they did not kill them and have a bullet in them. Our government is way too big. It's mm. been too big for too long. And there's too many agencies. We could we could start helping to lower the debt if we were to get rid of a lot of our government. But but they don't talk about it. I don't ever hear anybody talk about it. But anyway, no, it'll never happen. I mean, the, the Republicans or well, the Democrats, I mean, it doesn't matter who you elect. They're going to keep on cranking at the debt. They're going to keep printing money uh, like it's going out of style. They're going to keep going to war because that's what that's what uh, helps their friends and punishes their enemies. And that's what the state's all about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Right. The only way out and, is uh, to get out is to is to secede uh, from the United States. Get out before the entire thing implodes upon itself, because it will not last forever. Well, term limits is something that um, uh, I think what they should do is say, okay, we'll vote for it, but we get to stay in, you know, until they pass away or whatever. But then the, the new <laughs> ones come in. That way, they'll vote for it. Otherwise, they will mm. never do it. But if they do it that way, it'll work. I think. But mm. I want to mention something before I uh, I hang up. Yeah. Um, Climate change uh, hoax, uh, that that was started, I believe, by our adversaries around the world. They wanted to get us to go against our own energy in order to ruin our military and ruin America and get our prices up high, you know, gas prices. And they, they wanted to destroy it from the end. See, see, Gorbachev even said to Reagan that he would take over America without firing a shot. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.